Hello and welcome to Artur's Artisan Collectors podcast series. Artur.com is where you can access carefully curated, exceptional work by emerging and established artists. I'm your host, Carol Hudson, and today we talk to one of my very favorite painters, Monique Lovering. If you have questions for Monique, click the email link in the show notes below and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Hi Monique, it's so good to see you in your studio again with your beautiful work and all the light coming in. So thank you for for being with us and can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to be in Australia as well? Okay, well I um, began in design. That was the area that I've worked in for about 25 years and it was when I was in London working that I really decided at that point that I wanted to do painting and um, enter into the arena in the field of the fine arts and and that all came about because I, um, I left New Zealand and I went to explore painting and ended up in London uh, working and also painting. So I had a studio in Battersea and I was working in design during the day. But my inspiration at the time was Italy and that was where I, my foundation was for exploring art history and what painting was about and reading about artists and different periods of art. And I had certain artists that I was really interested in. Um, Tend to be the more abstract artists, American abstract artists such as Cy Twombly, Reuschenberg, Rothko, all that group. Um, I was really interested in how they abstracted and what marks they made. And last time I was at your studio, we talked about paint, Mm. (laughs) and I, I think I asked you whether you love paint and whether it's just the material itself that you enjoy as well and you gave me a fabulous answer how do you feel about paint what what's your relationship with the actual material okay um i i love paint because of the fluidity of of the material and it's it's always surprising to me what marks you can make with it you know whether the paint is very thick or whether the paint is very thin it has a lovely way of of um, being transparent but also being very viscous as well I love working with the colors and the pigments and just creating those fields of um, layers in the work and and kind of almost, I really like mixing my own colours a lot of the time. So I will kind of spend a lot of time mixing the paint. And because sometimes some of the work is quite monochromatic in a sense, you know, maybe lots of pinks or shades of, of that um, colour, I really like to, to kind of work with layers in such a way that the brush strokes become really obvious parts of the experience of working with the colour. And those brush strokes can either be really broad or really fine. And I sort of build with that into the work, very much so. 
Um, working on the supports, I tend to use uh, canvas or maybe collage of pieces of canvas as the, as the base of the support. And then I will build on top of that as well. Mm-hmm. But I do a lot of work with the supports in the sense that I use a lot of colour on them. So there'll be like layers of colours just, you know, worked through until the surface seems right to actually work with. And you'll, you'll notice that on the side of, mm. the, of the paintings I often have left something, some indication of what's happened in the past, so to speak. But it brings through some lovely transparent sort of notions with the paint of, oh, I wonder what's under there. And it's, it's an interesting feeling because somebody said to me um, recently that there's a feeling within your paintings that someone's present but they're not quite present and they can't really see them, but they're, they're definitely there. Mm. And that, that's kind of the feeling that I want. Not the obvious presence, but the feeling. More nuances. Yeah, more nuances yeah. of someone. Yeah. And is that someone you or is it someone else, do you think? Or, or is it just the past? Or I, I think it's perhaps, it's perhaps... I think it's perhaps me. Yeah, it's but the, the feeling that I'm... I'm kind of there making the work and producing these um, these marks, but there's no indication. I mean, there's a human being. There's indication of a human essence there, yeah. but I'm not physically showing myself presented in the work, other than through that mm. that mode. And and I also see it as kind of almost a similar way to, to like poetry. You know, you, you um, it's very metaphorical. You know, there's a sense of something, but how you respond to that is going to be how you experience what you see, or what, in poetry's case, what you read and how it transpires in you. Um, so that's... I always like to think there's an intrigue to sort of look a bit further mm-hmm. and just look at the surface. So, yeah, paint plays an important part in being able to achieve that. Because although there's the freedom of the strokes, there's also the sense of figuration with something happening underneath but there's that it's abstract yes yeah yes yeah it's yeah it's a a language Mm, really exactly it's just a different mode of expression Mm. yeah Mm. a different way to articulate yeah yeah i'm interested too about pink oh okay and (laughs) what i mean i have my own sort of thoughts about the color and you i I really love it in, in especially in terms of the Australian landscape. But yeah. I'm wondering how, what your thoughts are, and, and you use it currently. You're yeah. using it a, yeah. a lot in your yeah. work, and it's not a vibrant pink. It's a it's a sort of uh, landscape sort of pink, mm. like glare pink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I'm really interested to know what your thoughts are on it and what how you feel about pink. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting that I... I mean, I'm, I'm not a girly person as far as pink mm. is concerned. And um, the pinks I, I tend to use and mix, I tend to look for those chalky kind of uh, dusky, almost kind of got a bit, bit of brown in them and then they merge into something else. And, and I tend to contrast my work if sometimes with an orange or um, with red or use more deeper tones of sort of like the Mars reds. But pink is 
really came from my time in Europe, actually, I think. And I've associated it a lot. It's, there's a few different associations. One is more of a spiritual association because pink is a, a sense of compassion um, in a spiritual context. It, it has that. But I think really it came from working in um, Italy whereby I used to love that time of day of dusk. And dusk mm-hmm. sort of happens in the summer around about five o'clock or six o'clock, and the light would just suddenly be golden pink, and it just filters over absolutely everything. Mm. And it's a light that is quite distinctive to that part of the world, I think. But having come back here to Australia, I love the pinks that are in gum tree leaves, mm-hmm. and I just see them everywhere, you know, just. Mm they're shedding on the on the pavement and I think oh my god look at all these pinks and it's gone slightly maroony and then it's gone you know slightly more purple and there's got a bit of black in it and so I think it's my association with the environment you know nature and also light Mm. and light plays an important part in my work and I suppose the pink comes through as part of the time of day that I particularly Mm. like you know, I'm very much a dusk person, as opposed mm. to being a dawn or midday. You know, my colour tone and my palette's very much down in the dusky, mm-hmm. earthy yeah. kind of pinks, maroons, and maybe mm. a bit of orange and a bit of the gr- deep, deeper greens and things. Um, so yeah, pink is something that I I associate with light. Mm. Oh, it's a color that is it's sort of pure in a, mm. in a sense yes and it doesn't carry any sort of negativity with it yeah I really like it's sort of almost That's naivety true. yeah I think it's in the landscape it is hard it's, to explain it's, it's also I think it's also a very calming color mm. and that color yeah. is is related to a lot of spiritual symbology and particularly around um well, I could only say that I know of, which is the Indian culture. You know, pink is yeah. like the, the navy of oh, is India. It? So, right. I mean, I haven't been to India, but when you look at a, when I look at a lot of images of mm. architecture, India's architecture, should I say, um, that all that kind of, because of the stone, perhaps, they're all those pinky kind of brownie shades. Mm. And there is a pink palace, I think, somewhere in the north there, of India. There is, yeah. And... Pink has a deep, a deep sense of symbolism within the Indian culture, mm. around compassion and love and spirituality, and so it's got very positive connotations. It's, and it's, so, therefore, yeah. it creates that peaceful. And I and mm-hmm. I always think of it also as, as kind of human. It's very human mm, color to me. Fleshy. It's skin and flesh. And, yeah. And when I started painting with it, that's what I kind of associated with was with humans Mm-mm. you know our flesh and bones and our existence mm. yeah. Uh, yeah it's quite a it's a sort of nurturing but happy color yes it's the color for me of thailand ah. and it's a vibrant it's yeah. a really vibrant yes. pink which it's is fuchsia, it's, isn't it? it's got a really sort of high energy but mm. at the same time incredibly happy yeah and i think because it's had that association with femininity for so yes. long and now it's yes. coming out of that that that, yeah. it, that it has this new 
a new sort of uh, meaning yeah. to it mm. that is broader, much broader and much mm. more interesting. Mm. Yeah. Today we talked to one of my very favourite painters, Monique Lovering. If you have questions for Monique, click the email link in the show notes below and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Talk to us a bit about risk-taking and the point of failure and the tenderness point where all that might happen in in your practice. Right. I I think there's always a a part, because of the way I work, um, as in time and space coming back and forward with the work to the work and often sometimes walking away from it and I might not look at it for weeks and then come back and look at it there's this sometimes horror to think oh my god I completely failed with that when I thought it was really good mm. but it's actually not and well as I'm seeing it at that time and then there's a, there's that point where I think can I go back into that painting and 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 I call it my kind of my tenderness point where I just think well, can I go back in there because there's that point of well if I actually really go in there I might just really ruin it and mm. go over the edge and take the risk of actually making a terrible painting which I, I think that risk point is is fundamental to anyone who, who mm. works as an artist it's the challenge but it's, the, it's actually the, the drive and mm. it's such an amazing feeling when you actually take that plunge because for me, I take the plunge and I take a risk, but I'm not really looking at the work. I'm just in the work, working with it. And then you walk away and you think, oh my God, there's something in that. And it's from that point of risk that you can then almost like travel down or map out the, the path for the painting, you know, or it's talking to you and saying it's this going this way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when I think, oh, I think it's going to go here and it's trying think it out in my head and then I just go into it I think oh my god no it's going somewhere else and so it's taking me and and that's where mm. the risk becomes allowing that to, to kind of take me mm. wherever it needs to take me and and often I think I make my best marks when I'm in that space if I allow myself to be there yeah yeah yes yeah. listening to and responding yeah, to responding the, to, to the intuition and and just I think freeing, letting go, just thinking, oh, let go of what I think this painting should be mm-hmm. and just allow the paint to to kind of like almost take over from me. It's a, it's incredible the sort of mindset that ne- you need to sort of have and foster yeah. to have a manifest in the work mm. so that it's a sort of enlightened yeah. <laughs> sort of yeah. state of, yeah. of freedom and lack of fear about Yes. You know, doing something wrong and listening intently. Yeah. It's quite an interesting metaphysical conversation yeah. with the work. It is. Yeah. It is. Definitely metaphysical with the work. Yeah. Uh, and just also, I think just being present is really important. You know, just being utterly present with what you're doing without the, you know, being void of that conversation in your head about mm-hmm. is this good, is this bad? Should I try this? Should I do that? Mm. And in my work, I always want to let that go because I don't want to become stationary and know that mm. I can produce something and this is how I do it. Oh, your formula of... Yeah, yeah. my form, formula. Or, oh, you know, this is how I can paint it and I know that works with this. And mm. I think, okay, what do I do if I just do that? Or, you know, some kind of mark that's slightly 
different to the way I usually do it. Or For me, to always keep that alive is a really important part of the process. I think that that really comes through in your work too because they're all very, they're highly energetic and gestural, mm. spontaneous. There's not, there's not mm. this sort of considered thing that I've become about in my work but yeah. I did love like when I was doing yeah. abstract work that I would I would do it more from my heart and know that whatever mm. if I respond was responding to that really fully yeah. then nothing I could do nothing I did could be wrong yes because it's yes. so it's so pure and and there's no real um sort of barrier or blockage between you yeah. and the canvas it's, yes so yes. how can how can anything like that be yeah yeah be um like yeah not good <laughs> yeah exactly yeah oh that's good mm. um the other thing i wanted to ask you about is uh terps and oh okay how are you working with it okay terps is a an ngo that is a um group of artists they're all painters, although now I believe they also have a sculpture course, which has just started this year. But anyway, um, Terps Banana, they're called. It started <laughs> off as a magazine for artists, and then they decided because they had um, some feedback that some tuition was needed outside of the, the schools where artists could gain tuition from other painters to establish this group. And what they offer is studio space and tuition within London, but they also offer a correspondence course to people who are not in London. And a friend of mine who's a painter had been on the course and she also did the correspondence course as I'm doing and she also did the studio course. And she said to me that, and I could see through her work how much it changed and developed and, and how much she had enjoyed it and really loved the tuition. I'd really recommend it if you ever thought about doing it. And so I thought about it for a long time because I really wanted to have that dialogue with a mentor, another mm. painter. And interestingly enough, this year was the time that I thought it would be a good time to do it. It wasn't yeah, only just definitely. lockdown and COVID. It was, I sort of thought, well, okay, if I can't travel and I can't go anywhere, I may as well do terps and have mm. a year of tuition well not tuition more like a mentor and a dialogue mm. about my work and where I was going and and to have a review about it and the reviews come five times during the year mm. so I have my mentor and I've I'm at sort of not quite halfway through I'd say I'm nearly halfway through and I've really enjoyed it it's been amazing for me because I've I think it's just wonderful because you don't you know this person and you're getting to know this person. You know the person by name. You're getting to know them through the review. Mm -hmm. But there's this, it's very objective. It's not like they personally know you and they don't want to offend you and they don't want to say certain things. And it's very much focused on the work and it's very much focused on painting. And it's about, I think, and they say also in their manifesto, that the answers are within you, but it's someone actually assisting you to actually open up and and kind of, well, look at ideas and mm. have you thought about this and I love this about your work or I don't quite say those words, but, you know, this is what I think is a strong point or whatever. So I've, mm -hmm. I've really enjoyed that dialogue and, and for me that it's given me scope to think, well, 
maybe I should think about that or you know why don't I kind of consider that and what does she really mean by that and and you know really look to find what where the meaning is underneath it and when wondering whether it's right for me or not for me or mm-hmm. whatever so I've just received my second uh, review and yeah I, I I think the paintings moved and shifted in in ways that perhaps I wouldn't have thought of mm-hmm. and it's been unconscious but conscious at the same time and it's been part of that whole thing of um, revealing yeah. certain aspects within the mark making and how I um, approach it and my ideas and yeah so I've, I've really enjoyed the dialogue and yeah. and you need to write more about your work as yeah, well which yeah, sort of helps exactly, you it does sort your ideas and yeah you're thinking about things I think. exactly yeah exactly so and I've just you know one thing I have enjoyed also is just that um global interpretation of the work you know if someone from the other side of the world who is a practitioner who's engaging with your work and you're on the other side of the world being Australia and the fact that you can have that dialogue it doesn't matter where you are mm. and it can be you know she can look at your work or he can look at your work from a totally different perspective and also talking about that time factor and space factor mm. you know their environment is so different to my environment and yet the dialogue with the painting is so nourishing and similar and mm. you know it's of a common body almost yeah that's interesting it's yeah. a universal sort of language anyway yes exactly yeah, yeah so i I really enjoyed it. So, Monique, what are you up to this year? Have you got plans? She's giving me a horrified look. (laughs) Are there some plans afoot or some things that you'd like to do apart from finishing up with Terps? Yeah, that will will eventually happen in September. Yeah. definitely feel that by the time I finish I I want to obviously have collected quite a large body of work which I mm. it's my intention to do and from that um, I hope to make contact with someone in London and I'd like to maybe have an opportunity to exhibit over there or to um, have further contact with other people over there whereby something could happen with a group show or in a dynamic whereby it may present itself as a residency and then go on to doing some other work mm-hmm. um, in that part of the world, yeah. Thanks so much, Monique. That was fabulous talking to you. Well, thank you, Carol. I love talking to you. Uh, it's great. Any, it's good any to time, share. Anytime. So um, if you want to check out Monique's work, have a look in the link below the show notes. And uh, hopefully we can chat with Monique again very, very soon. Okay. You can look at and buy Monique's work via the link in the show notes and see more exceptional contemporary art at artour.com. Thanks so much for being with us today. And join us again for our next episode when we visit artist Helen Wyatt at F. Tanner Baker.